overall sales as being really low. It's well below the 40-year average. I'm going to give you some some intel here. So Toronto Real Estate Board, in 2022, we ended with 75,140 sales total. Now, the year before, it was 121,000. So wow. we were down 38%. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tom Story Show. I am Tom, and my co-host, his name is Steven, and he is on a weight loss challenge in 2023, and he's crushing <laughs> it, and we're going to get into that a little bit in today's episode. Oh, oh that reminds is... me of something. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Steve, I'm doing the intro. Shush. Okay, okay sorry. So welcome back to the episode of the Tom Story Show. I'm Tom. This is Steve. This is your weekly real estate uh, podcast. But what's happening in the Canadian real estate market? My name's Tom. I'm in Toronto. Steve is in Surrey. You got Tommy Toronto. You got Surrey Steve. And uh, thanks for being here. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please uh, click that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on audio, please drive safely because you're likely in your car. Steve, what are, we got a we got a fun week. What are we talking about? Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. <clears throat> However, you just mentioned the weight loss challenge. And uh-huh. um, uh, now this is obviously not going to get a lot, ton of respondents, but just a, like a few minutes ago, there was a, a poll put out on the on the channel YouTube okay. page, and it says who will win the weight loss bet. Twenty percent of the vote right now is me. Twenty percent. So Keith Steve. got eighty. So it says who will win our twenty twenty three weight loss bet. Steve at twenty percent because he does what he says. Mm. Keith. Because he has the advantage, he's got more to go. Okay. Uh, also at twenty percent, Tom currently winning at sixty percent because he's already skinny. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> it's probably true though. You know what though? I have gone through all of January, uh, no alcohol and pretty much no sugar. I slipped up with a ginger ale by mistake, but but no alcohol, no sugar, and I am feeling very good. Although it's not necessarily to lose weight, it's just to feel yeah, man. better. Totally. I went on a on a like a supplement regimen, kind of like right amount of vitamin D, right amount of some other stuff, some some ZMA, which is like a, a zinc magnesium thing. And then um, you're on performance this, enhancing like, drugs for your diet. I have this like sleepy tea. I have this thing, this tea called like restful sleep. And man, I haven't had better sleeps my entire life. The only thing that's super strange is now like on this diet, I have to have so much water uh, that the middle of the night is like I'm, I'm up a few times, um, but I have no problem getting back to sleep and it's, it's awesome. So I'm a little bit char- more charged up than I have been in the past, which I guess you should assume is the right way to be when you're losing your fat and ass, right? how, um, what do you write? I know this is a long-term weight loss challenge, but, uh, just to start the show here before we kick off the market and everything else, do, can you say pounds down and you know what Keith is at? Like, are you aware at this point? I what's don't going on? know. So Keith and I are only going to check in, uh, every, I think on the first of the month. Okay. But, uh, I am, I'm in the clear for a few months if I need to be, I'm crushing it that much. So, uh, like, this is how it's going to go for me. I'm going to be, all my weight's going to be off by May 1st. And then the question is, what can I do afterwards? And when Tom comes out to visit us, maybe if you're coming out in July or whatever. I'll be in July, yeah. um, 
yeah if then you know can we avoid sour beers and pd scotch hopefully and then can i avoid the problem is as soon as you have a pd scotch you're like oh i could just have a plate of french fries it's fine and then you're off to the races again do you think that it's mostly an alcohol thing that's making you lose weight or is it a no a 50 50 with food no man it's food it's food okay it's for sure food because I was like, I make my kids lunches. Usually my wife's making dinner. I'll come home. I'll make their lunches. And then it's like, oh, a couple goldfish here. Oh, a little Ritz mm. cracker here. Oh, pepperoni stick in their lunch, hey. pepperoni stick in my mouth. And that's you that, know what? 700 calories comes really quick. Shout out to Mark Arnstein, who's a Toronto real estate legend. Uh, I was talking to him because he's gotten in wicked shape the last few years. Like that mm. guy is ripped. And, uh, I asked him, I was like, you know, how do you, how'd you do that? Like, how do you, how, and he's like, honestly, stop eating off your kids' plates. Yep. <laughs> like that was his advice. Like stop obviously working out and eating healthy, but like stop eating your kids' leftovers. Cause that's just stuff you don't need in your system. Yeah. So like nighttime snack, like the eight thirty, like, ah, here's a, a and, and I mean a small amount, but here's mm. a little bit of like nuts and bolts or whatever hey. rice crisps and you're screwed. I, uh, I had one other thing I wanted to chat about before we go hard into real estate here. Um, a study came out. I, 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 it was like some Canadian alcoholic study. Did you see this? I and, did. I did. It was basically like your risk of future issues is low if you drink one to two drinks a week. It's moderate if you drink three to five and seven plus drinks a week. You have a high risk of potential health um, issues in the future, um, where we're certainly not alcohol specialists here or giving you any advice on that, but that's interesting because it, it feels like in our society, drinking is just totally normal and that's what you do and you go out and you have drinks, but like, I'm not a weekday drinker. I'll go out on the weekend and have a beer or whatnot. So I'm probably in that like low to moderate category, depending on the week. What are your thoughts on that new report? Well, on that report, it's like, I mean... I should be laying in a ditch in, you know, <laughs> like with, with a paper bag in my hand. Like it makes you feel really, really bad. But it's, I mean, it's probably true. I don't know if you've ever listened to Alex. Is it Alex? Uh, Huber, the guy's name's Huberman. Last name's Huberman. He's been on Rogan. He's been on a bunch of places. But that guy breaks down. First of all, he's done, um, uh, he does like body and exercise and, and nutrition and all that stuff. And he breaks it down on like the, what's happening inside your body. And when he broke down, First of all, alcohol, I, mm. I had to turn it off. It made me feel so bad. I had to turn off the episode. He did one on marijuana. It doesn't affect me because not not something I use. But um, then he also did one on sugar. And it's like, my goodness, like the stuff that we're putting in our bodies now, no wonder I'm so far overweight. And I'm thinking about it. I can't imagine the people that that aren't. But yeah, like the... I just think I just looking at it now going, you know, is it cool to be for the 42 year old drunk guy at a party? Probably not. So that's just the way like I got to look at it going. Yeah, I mean, maybe when you're out with your friends once in a while here and there, you know, two or three times a year, maybe. But like, do I need to go to a party Saturday night that I bring my kids to and have six beers? Probably not. I should probably I should probably be an adult, right? You know, I can tell you just clarity wise. So to start 2023, I haven't had a drink or, or sugar and uh, man, I feel good. Like I feel good. I've I'm, I'm cranking out more content than I have ever have before. Crushing your videos. 
<laughs> Let's kidding. talk about that in a second. We'll too, get there. We'll get after there. The market. We'll get there. Um, I I've been going on a lot of other people's pod. Like it, business is is it's weird to say business is booming, but like I have a ton of listings coming. We're working with a lot of people right now. It's the pipeline is yeah. starting to fill. I I feel clear on things. I went out to three dinners last week, didn't drink at any of them, and drove home and felt great. And woke up the next morning and felt great. So I just think there's something about starting the year especially when you run your own business and you have goals for yourself and expectations to hit is just that mindset of feeling so clear about everything. Um, and it gets you started, right? It's like that motivation of like, if you start a little bit sluggish, it's going to kick you into the rest of your year. But when you start yeah. strong, you kind of want to maintain it. You don't really want to fall back to what you're doing previously. It creeps up, man. The thing is like, I always, I've done this before and then you get to like May and you're like good and you spend the summer all healthy and you're good and then September comes around and you're like man you want to go out for a for Coors Light and a fish taco tonight let's do it and then yeah we deserve it and then it's just a slippery slope down to Christmas there is something to say though like on a hot summer day having a cold beer on a patio is nice like I mean there's just no other way to put it it's great it's great. It's the best. There is nothing better than having cocktails with friends. Like mm-hmm. if somebody was like, what's your hobby? We're having cocktails. What are you doing? Whatever. Like, let's, let's get together. Let's go get some appies on a, on a patio. That is probably my, maybe that's my problem. I need more hobbies. I need to like start rock climbing or something. Well, also final thing on this, um, our industry as real estate agents, there seems to be, I don't know if it's actually the truth or it's this ongoing joke of like, you know, realtors being so stressed out because there's all these minds going off at all times and all these fires you're trying to put off and satisfying all these different people that it's like, yeah, like, you know, real estate agent just gets drunk all the time after work because their days are so stressful. And I don't know if it's the I'm, truth or if it's just all business owners. I'm already planning the meme for like me at my like, highest weight ever after the best market ever of just like you know commission checks and just g- gorging myself and then me not making any money this year and then like super skinny at the end of the year so is there a correlation not- between <laughs> the amount of sales that happen every year and your weight yeah there may be so maybe we should hope for a downward market this year maybe that could be <laughs> yeah. good for your overall health uh let's okay we've just lost every viewer possible for the first 10 minutes i think we gained i think we won over a few people actually the tom story show health show there you go i like these episodes so what's go you have something to tell me that we've talked a million times and you're like i'm not telling you this until we film a podcast with you and me so spill the beans spill the beans super so this is super super um important anybody that's been listening to this show knows that this is something that that's been coming and I have a resolution mm. and it's this I renegotiated my mortgage whoa whoa yes. okay so just be can I ask questions or you want to just tell the story uh first of all I want to tell you something I'm super okay. proud of and hopefully you're proud Nolan of Nolan talk some too. sense into you that's what happened here uh, no, uh, no no oh. um number one uh, exciting news is um, I for everybody out there that thinks that there's doom and gloom and everybody's going to be terrible in the market and whatever. Uh, my HELOC is paid. Okay. So that is nice. super exciting because that relieves Congratulations. a lot of pressure. Thank you. Um, that was a plan that we put together and it puts us in a way 
better situation. So my, I know like right now you were looking at like long-term asset, you're, you know, almost a dozen years uh, behind me in the, the, the growth stage um, just on a personal level, not on a business level. And it's like, okay, you're like ready to move up to the next house. I've been in my, you're, what you've been might, in your might next be my forever for home yeah. forever. Right. So, so like 10 years now almost already. So um, for me, it's all about just debt pay down. Yep. Right. And I don't have much debt. Um, but the HELOC was actually only wrecked up because that's obviously where the down payment came from for the investment property. Yep. Um, so now that 20% down is now paid off because that was scary. Like when I took that HELOC out, and this is where a lot of people are, should pay attention. When I took that uh, HELOC out, it was, I want to say at 3%. Uh, I think the payment on it was like $115 a month. Sure. And then as I'm paying it down, I looked at like a year later, we had paid off about half of it because that's all I do is I spend my time paying off debt or more mortgages. And the the balance was half and the payment was double. Yeah. Uh-huh. Shocking, right? So like now imagine all those people that did use the HELOC that haven't worked on paying it down. Now their balance is probably the same and their payment is four times. So that's where it got scary. So that was uh, a big move for us. We p- paid off the HELOC, reduced a bunch of debt, reduced payments. Fantastic. But I renegotiated my mortgage. <clears throat> Tom, okay. so let's I talk have, about this. I have until, uh, I, I don't know how the, the best way to position this. Um, first of all, I'm going to tell you, you know all those people that are like, Steve, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. You're not a... a a moron like you say you are. Some people have said that in the comments. I don't other think anyone say, says that. I think other people say, <laughs> I want to explain to you that this is proof that I am a moron. Okay. Because well, you I have to convince me, but let's hear what you have to say. <laughs> I renegotiated my mortgage. And Tom, for two years, I have this rate from now. For two okay. more years, I have this rate. What rate do you think I got right now? This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by Lendlord. If you've not heard of Lendlord, it is a software platform designed for real estate investors. It helps you easily track your portfolio and get reminders when things like rent and utility payments are due. But the best feature and my most favorite feature of the entire platform is something called a deal analyzer. This is where you, as a real estate investor, can log into the software, plug in your future potential purchase, and the system quickly comes up with important information like cap rate, cash on cash return, and even future potential values. It's a totally free software, but listeners of the Tom's Story Show can get 90 days of the upgraded paid version right now totally for free by either clicking the link down below in the description or going to lendlord.io slash tomshow. And if you're a real estate agent and you're not using this software to quickly and efficiently analyze deals for your clients, well, I think you're doing your clients a disservice. Download Lendlord today for a quick and easy way for you to analyze not only your own future purchases, but those of your clients. So again, that's lendlord.io slash Tom Show to sign up right now, and listeners of the Tom Story Show receive 90 days of the paid version totally for free. I have tried this software myself. I think it's fantastic and extremely useful as a real estate investor. Sign up today. That's landlord.io slash Tom Show. And now back to the podcast. Well, it was a fixed rate, right? Because it's you? It is fixed until 2025. 
And you, so, so I, I have a bit of background, like I know who you were with and that their rates aren't as competitive as other options because of everything that it does. So you stayed with them. I am with the same institution. Okay. So let's say for the next two, did you take it like a 6% rate for the next two years? I did not. Okay. My rate, uh, until 2025 is 2.75%. Okay, so where there you is, go, Nolan Matthias. Take where, that one. What's I will, on? so, I'll sell my own book on how to negotiate a mortgage, Nolan Matthias. How is this possible? Because because Steve, so like the, someone listening right now is like, oh, these these realtors have some inside track with the banks. This is bullshit. How the hell do they get that rate? What no, actually happened there? No, How's no, that no, possible? No. What actually happened is Steve is a moron. So what I did was um, the first step to getting a two point seven five rate for two years right now. Get, get a time, time machine. machine. Yeah. <laughs> get a time machine. Because here's what happened. I don't know if you remember this, but something interesting happened March, April of 2020. We're not going to mention it because uh, if, if we haven't already got no viewers, we're going to get no viewers by mentioning those things that happened. Hmm. Um, but when everyone was losing uh, or thought that maybe they needed to defer their mortgages or whatever, um, People were phoning up the bank and deferring. And I said, well, I don't need to defer my mortgage. But at that time, my rate was 359 on a five-year fix. So I took the 2018 mortgage, 359. Um, and then that mortgage is going to expire this year. Okay. But in 2020, I phoned the bank and I said, I don't need to uh, do anything. I just want to... Uh, renegotiate my mortgage. And at that time, uh, they said, okay, well, here's what we can offer you. All the terms have to remain the same. Okay. But we can drop your rate to 275. This was in 2020, they told you this? In 2020. Yeah. And I said, fantastic. So I've been opening up my app. So they dropped the rate right. uh, to 275. I've been opening up my app. All the dates are the same. You took out the mortgage on this date. This is the day it funded. It's a five-year fixed, blah, blah, blah. It keeps going, keeps going. But here's the part where I'm a moron. I thought that maybe the bank was panicking and they thought that people weren't going to be able to pay their rates. What did they really do for me? They did a blend and extend. Oh, it was a blend and extend. Okay. So by... Ex- renegotiating my mortgage, and this could save some people because there are other people that for sure renegotiated their mortgages right around that same time. But you would have had to have done it in 2020 to end up in, in the position you are in. Now, why did they hold that rate for you for this long? That's a, that I don't understand. Because it was a blend and extend. So what happens is, in order to lower the price or lower the rate down, they actually added two years on the back of my mortgage, right? So I had three years left. They added two more. But I'm a moron. I didn't look at my statements. You thought- I just looked at the original funding date and went five years. And because they said all the other terms have to be the same, I thought, okay, I'm still within my five-year window. And no, of course they wouldn't do that. They would only ever blend and extend because they wanted their option there was, well, rates are going down, but we're going to get more money because we're going to push it out. So- I also, for some reason, thought I was at 279, but I'm at 275. So when I was going through all this and panicking and we're looking and we're like, are we going to have to take 6%? Are we going to have to switch banks? Are we going to have to do all this stuff? 
we pulled up a mortgage statement, which I have not done on my bank ever mm. because I just look at right? So I pulled up a mortgage statement. It says your mortgage expires. Uh, I think it's March 30th, 2025. Okay. So it's not so much as if you got a new rate. You always had this and had no idea. Correct. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Uh, you had this the I, whole time. Your rate wasn't even expiring. You, you made a great mm -hmm. move in 2020 totally by accident with a horseshoe. And I was pissed at that time because they dropped me to 275 and I was getting clients that were getting current mortgages at that time for like three point or sorry, 2.29. So I was like, oh, it's not long. It's not low enough. It's not low enough. Happy now. So well, everybody is out there that's panicking about your mortgages, uh, take a look at your statements. No, it's sheer stupidity is what it is. I mean, it, it is dumb luck that it happened the way it happened, but I'm happy that I, I now did it. And now it's like two years of... So I did the calculations. This is the crazy part, Tom. I did the calculations. There's a really good chance it's going to save me $7,000 a year. Wow. After tax money. Wow. So what did we learn from this lesson? We learned that if you're just paying your mortgage and looking at your, your app on your phone, look when they, when, they eat, when they send you that physical mortgage statement. Because I do this too. I get it. I look. I'm like, okay, I'm making my payments. I don't actually dig into it. I shred it and then it's gone. Yeah. So maybe take a good and hard look and make sure that you understand actually when your mortgage is coming up. And it's not just that too, right? Like when you're talking to a client, they're usually like, oh, uh, you know, I want this rate. I want this rate when uh, they're negotiating their mortgage. And then when they actually like two years later, you'd be like, what rate did you get again? Because they're thinking about moving and they're like, I don't remember. Hmm. I guess I, I'm no different, right? Like I thought I was at 279 until this year and I'm at 275 for another two years. So pay attention to your mortgages, guys. Um, I mean, I, I always just look at the balance and how can I get that balance down as fast as possible? If uh, anyone's watching on YouTube right now, I'd love if you could comment below and just give us your opinion on the story I just heard because I that is so... I thought you were going to say to me something along the lines of like, hey... Last time when we had Nolan on, when he was grilling me for 12 minutes about, because it was funny, actually, Steve, after that episode, I got texts from people being like, Steve is so stubborn. Why does he just listen to Nolan? Yes. Why is he like, I got texts from no. people saying me that because Nolan knows exactly what he's talking about. But the whole time you didn't realize your mortgage wasn't coming up. You had locked into a great rate two years earlier by mistake. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, here's here's the good news so on in my brain now i'm on a two-year fix for at 2.75 like that's you are that's, that's exactly that's basically what you where are we're on. at right so so now here was the thing i was looking to hopefully the plan is to try and have the house paid off in three years um the question is now how is that going to play in i guess next time we talk to nolan we'll have that conversation but i'm sure if nolan i don't know if nolan listens to our podcast but if he does i'm gonna get a text saying you're the biggest idiot ever that is great well I, I I'm, actually, I'm glad you saved that to tell me uh on the podcast because that was <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah, oh my i'm goodness. an idiot it's that's how it goes we are all hey here's the fact we are all uh idiots in our own way even if we're specialists in one thing you know we can we can all be 
uh, geniuses at one thing and idiots in another. Yes. Right. Like some people, some people can figure out how to not eat food off their kid's plate and other people like me can't figure that out. So I don't know. Let's talk about the market a little bit. Hey, just before I want to talk about the market, I've got a few antidotes in which I've seen so far to start the year in, in my area. Um, also, this is the last podcast I'll be filming in Did this location. Did you say location. antidotes? Or Did I say it wrong? An- anecdotes. A- antidotes. Ant- <laughs> <laughs> well, we're leaving it in. So I think the antidotes, the, I think we do need, isn't an antidote like a, a potion to a, uh, to, Maybe that's what I'm about to talk about, Steve. Okay. We don't know. <laughs> okay. This is why I don't use big words when I go on live TV, um, but I'll, and I should stop trying to throw them in here on the podcast. Um, this will probably be the final episode that I film in this location because I am moving into a new house in four days, awesome. which, is, which is very exciting. And one thing I was going to run by you is I'm actually going to bring in my video guy into my new like basement studio, and I'm going to have him set up the space. Like yeah. set the camera to exactly put the lights in the, in the, like buy me noise, you know, sound, um, what is sound canceling or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and make it real good. So hopefully my videos probably three weeks from whenever people are listening to this is when I'll have it all set up are going to look real good moving forward. Is that uh room, does that room have, um, a window in it? It does. Okay. So that's going to be your biggest challenge. Like that back there has been my biggest challenge, that window. Mm-hmm. Um, I have super these super cheap acoustic panels in front of me, so my voice doesn't bounce off. Um, those I wouldn't recommend, but I'll send you the contact. I think it's Canadian acoustic panels or something super similar to that, to those like black panels that are back there that you can see. Yeah. Um, and those things really help. So anybody setting up a, a studio or doing videos, I think it's called Canadian acoustic panels, and they're okay. worth every penny. They're good. Right? Yeah, I got to check those out because obviously I got the microphone and the camera. You know, I like to spend money on technology. Um, but the next step is like really setting up the background, even like behind me right now. If, if you're you know watching this, like normally I have all these books, everything's packed up. Just have one book sitting there. And uh, yeah, so exciting times. I'm moving with my four point nine two percent one year fixed rate mortgage. I'm not nine two. OK, yeah, not terrible. Good. I, again, yeah. we can we can go back and forth on should I have taken longer than a one year, but we'll see how this plays out. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm moving. Do, will you share your institution? Um, it, so here's the thing. It's a big bank. Yeah, is what I'll say. The only reason I don't want to say it is because the person in which I chose, it wasn't because of the institution. Yeah, it was yeah. because of my relationship with the person who so happened to work at yeah. the institution. That's, that's so biz- like business to business relationship. It wasn't I chose this bank because this bank is better than this bank. And okay. not as if we have relationships with banks, but um, it was because of the person who I've known for a decade and who's helped yeah, me yeah. many times before and hundreds of yeah. our clients. So totally. That's why. Yeah. And the trust you have with those people, like that's what gets lost in so much of our, so much of our business, right? Yeah. So what are you seeing right now? So. Yeah. Where this this episode's gonna come out, you know, end of Jan. What's going on? What's going on, Surrey? Because I've got a few things about Toronto. I'm not gonna say the word mm-hmm. anymore. Antidotes, but yeah, we should stick to like two syllable, two syllables. See, <laughs> I can't even say that. Syllable, right? <laughs> um, okay, so what's going on out here? Tons of showings. Tons. Yep. Turning um, into offers. Lots of offers, actually. On my own listings. Lots of okay, offers. Third question. Are they good offers? Here's the thing. 
when people say good offers, they focus on price and everybody else that's listening to this is going to focus on price. Yep. And, um, here's what I'm noticing. And that is the offers are coming in price aside. So take price out of it. The offers themselves are not structured correctly. In the conditions and all your new regulations, is that what you mean? With not our even our new regulations, that part's fine. It's just I can tell that I'm not necessarily worried like it's a first-time buyer that can't afford the property. Hmm. I'm a little bit worried that it's a first-time realtor that doesn't know how to structure an offer. Yeah. So I'm spending a lot of time on that. And then here's where the breakdown is happening. We're not even talking yet about price, right? We're talking about all these other terms I can or cannot have or need or or can't have in the contract, right? Yep. And then when we send back a counter, the agents that are receiving the counter don't yet have, I would consider, the skill hmm. required to explain to their clients why we need the terms written a certain way. And so then their buyers likely just feel like they're trying to be taken advantage of. And so I think that that is, I mean, I think it's because our board area, I think we've got 15 or maybe as much as 20% of our membership right now is, has been licensed for six months or less. Yeah. That's going to be problematic if they don't have a mentor or so they don't, that's, so that's what I was going to get to. So they don't have a mentor. Um, a lot of these people are choosing to go to lower fee brokerages where maybe they don't have access to a managing broker or mentorship or whatever. And so basically what I'm trying to say is I'm receiving offers that I can tell by looking at this offer that this buyer is not qualified and the agent hasn't done their research with their own client to find out. Mm. For instance, I'll give you a really silly example. A 21-day financing condition on a $300,000 condo. 21 business days? No, just 21 days. Three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, you know, let's call it 15 business days. Sure. We're not, I don't care what price that is. We're not accepting that offer. Yeah, that's way too long. It's tying it up forever. So what that tells me immediately for any of you, if you're a new agent listening or a buyer out there listening, if you say, I want to go talk to the bank after I get an accepted offer, you should have already talked to the bank first. And we should be talking still four or five days. Like a long condition period is 10 days. If you need more than 10 days, there is something wrong with your buyer. Is there something to be said that let's say hypothetically they get an offer accepted with a 21 day financing condition? If the bank receives that and knows that, where do you think that goes in the pile? It goes to the bottom of the yeah. pile because yeah. they got other stuff that's more urgent. So they're going to drag it out probably that whole time where you could have had, I mean, you can get backup offers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, so so it's it's things like that and there's there could be i don't know 10 different things in an offer other than price that show me how good or strong or weak this offer is and lots of offers getting tossed around and it's not price that's coming in the way uh it's conditions and how they're written it's it's how they're written for instance here right now like i haven't had a single offer presented yet this year it's 
offer in the email box. Some no of them call. don't even call. No call before. No. But when you pay, when you say presented, do you mean in person? Um. When I say presented, I mean the the offers I'm getting are in my email, and they say, "Please say, see my offer attached." Right. They don't call you ahead to say, "Hey, heads up, this is coming." They haven't called. They haven't written the nice letter about who the buyer is. They haven't done anything. What, so, what for do instance, buyer letters say now? Like, you're just lucky you're getting this offer. <laughs> what buyer letters should say right now is why, why and how they're offering the price that they've done, that mm -hmm. I am pre-approved. I would love to maybe, here's one I use all the time. We would love to pay more for your home. However, currently, this is our budget due to interest rates, and those interest rates are affecting the market, and the market value of your home is likely less than what you are hoping for. So this sure. is this is how price per square foot, uh, decline in market, like I can make an argument for the entire way I present an offer. Yeah. And these people are like, my buyer says he needs 21 days, write down 21 days, send the offer. So they're, they're, or, they're still order takering. Yeah. Right. They're not, they're not, they don't have the skills in order to do it. And you're not going to get offers together that way. You're spending a ton of time with unqualified buyers and you're wasting sellers' times. And again, let me make this very clear, regardless of price. Right. For sure, sellers are going to have to get real with price. So let me go take the other side of that. Last night, what do I get? I get the phone call from a guy. We've had three offers or more on this property already. I get a phone call from another fella. And he gives me all of that. Here's my client's story. Mm -hmm. Here's their financing situation. Here is this. Here is how much we need for subject removal time. And I will have the offer in your inbox by this time. And I receive the offer. And not only is it perfect written, but it's also a much more realistic price. Now, is the seller okay with that price? I don't know yet. But it is structured in a way and presented in a way that now I can work with that offer. Now, if I take the flip side here and I say, you know, this is the third offer you've received on this property. If you've received three offers and none of them are close to the seller expectation, it's likely because the market does not believe the property is worth what you are asking for it. Because um, you've got some data. Again, you've you're, got you're focusing on price. But price to the so I I know what you mean that that the the price isn't the biggest factor because there's when you're throwing 21 day conditions no one's going to take that yeah. typically no one's going right. to take that but still the seller even if all the other conditions are met is has the price been there like let's say everything else was in order you get a five day financing uh, uh whatever it is for you guys for strata review if it's a condo or inspection clause or whatever. Mm -hmm. And everything else is written the right way. And then it comes down to price. Are the prices at asking? Are they below we haven't, asking? We haven't. Oh, no, they're all below asking for sure. Um, but we haven't got to a spot where we get that far because we get hung up on the okay. other terms first. And every, again, everybody, uh, you know, all the people that like to trash talk us in the comments and everything is price and prices are coming down. Why would you buy now? I understand. Yeah, for sure. But this is a <clears throat> lack of skill on the part of the person drafting the offer. And therefore, that leads me to believe they're probably running around with 
buyers that they're not educating correctly. Yeah. Right. That's and here's here's where I think it's that's not a new phenomenon. That's it's probably not a new phenomenon. Um, I just I think right now it's just like the mentorship is not there. Like these people need to be grasping on to team leaders. They need to be going to all of their training. They need to be doing the things to find out what they don't know. And it's 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 becoming obvious. And it's easy for me to say because now I'm a quote unquote veteran in the business, but it is, I now know why the first offer I ever presented was rejected for another one. Can I tell you a funny story? The first offer I ever made, I had a 10 business day condition and the other, uh, the listing agent laughed at me. Yeah. So, so it doesn't mean that, you, you can't become a great realtor because you, you're no. in your first year and you're making these offers. I did it. For for sure, I like I had the first offer I ever presented, I was terrified. By the way, um, I ended up presenting the offer, and the agent came out to me, and he just basically said, "Like we were two agents standing in the hallway while they're pouring over multiple offers." This is like twenty two thousand nine, mm-hmm. um, and we're just looking at them and we're going over things and. He just basically looked at me in the eye and he said, I have no faith in your offer and I have much more faith in the other offer. I said, well, what about the price? We can go this. He's like, that is, does not matter here. Hmm. He's like, I have no faith in your ability to do it. And now I still sold that client a property and I sold it to him two weeks later and everything went fine, but they had no faith in me because I was on my own doing whatever. Am I frozen? No, no. I can hear you great. No, you're not frozen. I okay. So do you know where mine was going that whole time? That's why I like was day, looked like I was daydreaming there, but I was just thinking of something as you were talking. Was that, <laughs> are we back? We're back. We're good. Okay, we froze for a sec there. Um, was that okay? So you know how me and you uh, tend to make comments on what we see in terms of. And we have known for a long time, a small percentage of the industry does most of the transactions. That's That's been the way. It's been for a long time. That's been the way. It will probably always be moving forward, right? Now, we say, so what we used to make the issue with getting your real estate license, and take away for a second that you can do it in six months or 12 months or however, however long it takes you. We would make jokes saying like, they're teaching us all this crap we'll never actually use. And then we get our license and we have no idea how to run a business, how to service people, how to like, we have all these complaints, which we make and go, and this is where real estate culture companies come in and they kind of help you become an entrepreneur and run a business now, but that's one side of it. And real estate culture companies will also teach you how to be better, but they're not going through the forms with you step-by-step. That is your board and your schooling. So do you think maybe we've actually gotten to the point here where it's been ingrained in everyone's head that the schooling is just to get your license. And once you get your license, then you get training or mentorship and that will actually teach you what to do. But there is still value and you have to understand the forms. You have to know what you're doing. Yeah. And so we've got, have we gone too far the other way now where it's just been focusing on how to create opportunity, how to find clients and not necessarily, and servicing them is one thing, but servicing them correctly within the rules and understanding how to get deals together in a way that is good for them. Mm-hmm. You know who she, we should probably talk to again about this is um, Sydney. Because mm. she was talking about her kind of like onboarding process for newer agents. And 
it was like you are required to do this much and it was like two educational classes per week yeah maybe one's by the board to talk about the legalities or your agency duties and maybe the other one's by the brokerage or or like coach calls or whatever to talk about how to actually be better at it. And I just don't, I don't know, man, it, it's so frustrating right now. Cause I was there. Are we frozen again? No, look I, you look man, great. No, Steve, things. it must be on your end. Cause okay. I can see you and That's hear you. Not perfectly. True. Okay. Awesome. I just, I don't know. I, I get so frustrated by it. Um, I just have to understand that other, I need to have the patience for other people that, like you always say, right, with your video journey, journey. don't compare your, your chapter one to their chapter 10. And I have to stop and realize and say, okay, this person, it's not that they're trying to screw us. It's that they legitimately don't know. Yep. And unfortunately, the system right now doesn't um, support those people. Uh, they just look for cheaper methods and cheaper methods and cheaper methods. So, I mean, I almost think it's, I feel like, okay, I'm going to have to get real comfortable with coaching people through the transaction. And usually that's my client, not the other guy's client and the other guy. There was an agent. Um, I think he was the number one Remax individual agent in the world. I, I'm, I don't want to, I forget his name, so I don't want to misquote it. But essentially, you know, when, when agents from other markets, uh, a lot of the times now, so let's say like, here's an example. There's a property listed in um, Prince Edward County, which is two hours from Toronto. And a Toronto agent uh, has a client that wants to see it. We don't have access to that real estate board, but you could still technically, we're licensed in Ontario, you can show the property. In the broker remarks of most of those properties says, if you send your client up here and we show it to them because it's our listing, we get a referral from you, even if that client, that client buys it. Cause you didn't do your, you didn't come up here yeah. right yeah. now. Now I understand that. Cause there was probably all this frustration where people would call up, call up and be like, I don't have an agent. Can you show them this property? And then they see it. And then their agent sends an offer. It's like, what the hell? Like, come on mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. But what this other agent said was, I don't care. Send them up. My job is to sell my client's property. I'm not letting my ego get in the way here. Send them up. I don't care. Our team will show them. Our job was to sign a contract with this seller and get the property sold. And if them seeing it will get the property sold, that's all we care about. So has there been a little bit too much of this mindset in the industry of like, well, this person, whatever. But like at the end of the day, is it not our job to coach the other agent to get it done for your seller? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's probably a very good positive way to look at it. Um, and to some degree, I mean, I'm very split on that because we have a ton of that. In Vancouver agents, it's very common when they're coming out to Surrey, they say, you go find the property, I'll write the contract for you and I'll kick you back 25%. Sure. However, with the agency uh, crackdown that's gone on, uh, I can't talk to someone else's client. So right. I can't really, I'm not really supposed to be in the room with them. Hmm. So these are all things that, I don't know. I don't know what the solution, I mean, I know what the solution is. The solution is tightening things up, more regulation, higher barrier of entry. But again, we've, we've got two different things happening here, right? You've got the competition bureau who says more options are better for consumers. And I totally yep. understand that. And then you have the provincial governments or the regulators saying more protection is better for consumers and more regulation is. Those don't work together. 
more com- more people in the industry and more regulation are opposite sides of the magnet, right? So we need to find some sort of some sort of balance there. And that's where, like, uh, what did we get roasted for last time for comparing realtors to surgeons? Which is and not what we said, by the way. That is not what I said. I just said you probably want a professional that does their job more than once a year or whatever, right? I think I said, like, hey, if, if you want to use a surgeon that uh, hasn't worked in two years, by all means, go for it. Kind of just being cheeky. And they're like, well, they came out of retirement and yeah, they were and like, like, okay, do that. fine. <laughs> you, but you, you still misunderstood. I, I didn't mean someone that's had 40 years experience and then took off two years. I mean, someone that <laughs> you get anyways, I don't have to, but not, myself. but you not only it. that, that was kind of funny because it was like, no, no, no. In an area where they don't have any doctors, if the, if it's okay, let's get a doctor out of retirement that hasn't done surgery in two years. That's one thing. If the hospital has 4,000 doctors in it, mm. I don't want the guy that hasn't performed surgery in two years. Yes. Which is the same right. thing on, do you want the guy or girl to help you on your real estate journey that hasn't done anything in two years? Not because yeah. they have gone into early retirement, but because they just can't, they don't know how to do it very well. Yeah. Or there's been all these other competitors that haven't given them the opportunity to do it. Which, the, I don't know. It's it's kind of rough, but I want to actually um, commend you on that on one of the podcasts you did because I was I watched that whole one where you got to like hang out and have a coffee and sit on your beachfront and you know oh all the, cool the Evan Carmichael one yeah. So if you're a real estate agent listening to this, go watch that podcast because you broke down your entire business model top to bottom yeah for free. Uh-huh. It's all there, everything you do, and that is as simple as. It needs to be. Everything is there. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the YouTube for Real Estate video course. Are you interested in creating an engaging, value-driven YouTube channel to help educate your client base on real estate in your market, as well as introduce a new revenue stream to your business? Perhaps you've already created a YouTube channel, but are struggling to gain viewership and the subscribers you are looking for. The YouTube for Real Estate course will provide you with proven tips and strategies on how to create and cultivate an engaging YouTube channel, as well as how to optimize your channel, resulting in higher viewership, subscribers, and yes, deals. But that's not it. I implemented YouTube in my business in early 2021, and it has easily been the best marketing source for meeting new clients that I have ever had in my business, period. Better than expensive geo farming, internet marketing, and open houses combined. And now it even rivals my repeat and referral business. If you would like to learn all the tips and tricks for meeting new clients using YouTube, simply go to video course login or click the link in the description below and sign up for the YouTube for real estate course today and learn a year's worth of my painstaking research of learning how to use YouTube for real estate in just a few hours by taking the YouTube for real estate course. So go to videocourselogin.com right now and use the promo code TOMSHOW at checkout. Again, that's videocourselogin.com or simply use the link below. That's going to be the problem though, is that most of the things I said in that were fairly simple. And even I I did another podcast recently with uh, BAM, um, Mm -hmm. which is like a real estate media company. And the Instagram comments were pretty funny where people are like, oh my God, he does a video update. This is like being sarcastic. This is revolutionary. I'm like, you don't like it because it's simple. Yeah. People want to complicate everything. 
be a good human. Call your clients back. Do what you say you're going to do. Have a str- understand your finances. Like focus on relationships and your business will be good in any business. Um, but I appreciate you saying that. That was a lot of fun. It is a three and a half, three over three hour. I think it's longer Dude, than that was our movie. Yeah. Like, honestly, if you let's say, for instance, you're in a spot where you're new to the industry and you can't afford coaching. Um, it's not in your future. You also can't afford not to do coaching if you want to be serious, but let's keep going for there. Um, honestly, that is three hours of the most golden training that you can possibly do. Well, thank you. And if, yeah, don't get your head too much bigger. Um, that is as simple as it is. Uh, you just have to then execute. Right. Which right. is just like the, the video, uh, the YouTube stuff, right? The biggest issue I'm having, so many people now are like, oh, you know, I'm having trouble getting traction. And then I look and I'm like, oh, I haven't posted a video in three weeks. So the, the viewer doesn't know what to expect. They don't. Yeah. So it's just like, you just got to do the work. And I think our society is not cool with doing the work. Or right? having don't. the patience in which, uh, what, and again, this goes back to even consumers like buying properties. If you have patience and you have a plan and you can put tunnel vision on and know what you're looking for, you'll probably get what you want. Mm-hmm. But if you just, it's actually funny, like I learned early on in my career that people that would want to offer on everything would actually take way longer and not be happy with the outcome where the people that were more picky, but were dialed in yeah. would actually be very happy, buy quickly, know what they wanted, wouldn't waste their time. And I think it's the same thing for thinking about business as well, right? Is having that patience behind it that nothing comes overnight, nothing. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, it's funny you say that. So if I'm a buyer and I'm looking in where I am, like I'm Pitt Meadows, maybe Langley, maybe Surrey, maybe Richmond, like I'm not going to be happy because I don't know what is going to bring me happiness. I haven't put a measure on that. Yeah. Right. I haven't put like, this is exactly what I need for me in my situation. And it's the inability then to make that decision that's constantly going to make you second guess any decision you make. So lasering in on that one thing you're going to do, whether it's in business or buying a house or anything else, you have to have that future focus. Mm-hmm. You have to have that goal setting, right? Like my, um, uh, my wife and I right now are talking about uh, planning a vacation. And we are not vacation people. Like we love going on a vacation, but we're not big spenders. We're not, you know, twice a year on a plane somewhere. So it's like, now how do we make this the perfect vacation? Well, we're going to, first of all, we're going to look forward to it for a year, which is because mm. we're probably not doing this till next year, but we're also then going to make sure. And I don't know if you find this, but I find the planning of a vacation is way more fun, but then knowing exactly also what you want out of that vacation, it's great to get there. Right. So it's, it's a real, and it's no different. Anything else in your life, you need future focus in your life. Yep. I Totally agree. Uh, by the way, I do not plan my vacations. I show up to the airport and I'm like, what are we doing? Like they are planned <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, I get I most guess relationships the, uh... have one person that is in control of the planning and another person that just shows up like, all right, I packed last night. Let's do this thing. And I think yeah. it's because I find myself being so structured in my business life that my personal life, I try to uh, just have some fun. I have tried that actually on the last few vacations I've been on. Even when we went, remember when we went to Mexico yep. and they brought us to that like big hole, that sinkhole place mm-hmm. to go swimming. Two years before that, man, I wouldn't have jumped off that thing. 
And now I'm like, I'm jumping off that thing. Right. Like we went to Hawaii last time and I was like, I'm swimming under a waterfall. They're like, there's parasites in that water. I'm like, ah, probably should have told me that before I jumped in. But like we're doing those things. So I do try and be more sporadic on the vacation, but planning like everything you need, you need focus and that's business. That's buying a property. That's paying down your mortgage. The most successful people have the most amount of focus. Well, you know what I was thinking as you were saying that too, like uh, the future focus in terms of right now, um, it's kind of scary out there, right? Like 2023, we don't know how this is all going to play out. Everyone's saying you can't do this. Prices are going to drop another 50%, blah, blah, blah. I know you and me, for the most part, it's 99% positive, but there are the people that are like, Tom's too optimistic. It's like, why would I live my life? It's not just real estate. It's in everything. Yeah. Why would I live my life thinking the worst thing's going to happen? What type of existence is that? Yeah, that is the thing. That is the difference, right? Between the YouTube comments and a lot of the people putting out the content. Right. Is they they are positive people. This is what we brought up with Richard Robbins. Like people that are successful and have money are generally positive. I think Joe Rogan, uh, I'm going to get roasted for this one, but I think Joe Rogan says it this way. He's like, listen, we need more winners. And we need less losers. So do your best not to be. Now that's putting it in very barbaric terms, I understand. But we need people that are thinking about achieving, and winning, and doing the next best thing, as opposed to the people complaining or doing nothing. Right? Like in, did you ever see the movie Desperado? No, I've heard that, but Antonio I have not. Antonio Banderas. Seen that. So it, there's a line in that. It is easier to destroy than to build right? To create, to create is, is extremely hard to do and to tear down someone other, someone else's creation is easy to do. So if you're spending your time tearing down someone else's creation, you are a loser. Simple as that. Hurt. You need people, to focus on creating people. your own thing. Right. Hurt, hurt, people, people, hurt people, hurt people. Man, this is going to be a whole section of um, bad sayings. No, I mean, it is what it is. I, I think, you know, actually, when we had Kaylee Heaps on and and she was kind of joking about that, she hopes the comments aren't negative or whatever. And they, they weren't really for the episode at all. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't at all. Well, I think they understand how she knows her stuff. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You, you tend to, and we see this in everything in life, is that everyone likes the come from nothing story to success. The or the build up, the the on the way to the top of the mountain, they they cheering you on the whole time, and then you get to the top, or not necessarily the top, but you get what I mean, right? The perceived yeah. success, and then it is just pure. Well, how can we take yeah. that person out of there? It, get off the mountain, there, Elon. Elon, there, you're helping out too much. Get off the mountain. You've been there for too long. It's like, well, we'd rather have someone else here now. Let's 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 just yeah. move on with this, right? <laughs> totally. Um, and for the most part, and. This goes back to a podcast I listened to like, I don't know, probably three or four years ago that was like, why do people not like other people? It's like typically because they've done something specifically to hurt them or their family or said something to them that was rude. You know what I mean? that That's clear. Mm-hmm. But it's typically because they are jealous of that yeah. person. They want what they have or they are threatened that that person will take what they have. Yeah. If you really break it down, that's it. That's it. That's why mm-hmm. you don't like people. Of course, if they did something actually bad is another yeah. clear reason. But it's really just those two things. You want what they have or you're scared they're going to take what you have. 
I heard somebody might have been Jordan Peterson, but I don't think it was. That basically said, listen, there is there's a big difference between envy, like wanting what someone else has, and then wanting that person not to have what they have. Mm. Big difference. Yeah. Right. So me being jealous of you, that's a problem I got to overcome and maybe I can do better or maybe I'm just going to wallow in my own self-being. But our society now is like, oh, not only does that person have that awesome thing that they built, I think they shouldn't have it. That's where things go south. Yeah. Well, this was a therapy session episode. It is. I want to talk about some other things, though, because um, I hear uh, the Toronto area market maybe heating up and actually somebody that sent me a referral off of this podcast mm. uh, i heard went into multiple offers Ooh. on on um now i don't know the details i didn't get into it but if that buyer's probably moving out this way i so can tell you is your things. market doing that well in certain pockets to, c- to come on here and say that the market is heating up i think would be a bit of an overstatement um, it is heating up in certain pockets so there was a house in a good school district, a semi-detached, you would say entry-level home in Toronto. I know that's relative to every area. Listed at 949 that got 10 offers and sold over 1.2. Because it's in a good area and that's the type of housing people want. Mm-hmm. Now our condo market in which we have many active listings in, I'm bringing out three in the next two days. Um, it's pretty quiet. Properties are selling if they're perfectly priced sharply, but lots of showings and offers are coming in. But our inventory level right now is closer uh, to a mid-balanced market for condos. So yes, freehold properties at pricing between $800 and $1.2 million are moving because there is not a lot of inventory for them. Are you worried about like really low number of sales right now? I mean, really no low number of sales kind of tells you that the consumer confidence isn't there. So I think we have to, we can't just dismiss it. If Now, I'm more looking now like really no low number of sales compared to what? Compared to the first three months of 2022? Or compared to just month over month moving forward here? Well, I looked at our board numbers and it was like out of so many working days, there was like 200 sales. Last year was like 450 or more. Um, Of which there weren't a ton of sales last January because there wasn't a lot of product. But I am looking at the trend of overall sales as being really low. It's well below the 40-year average. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Right? And and that's a 40-year average. So the question is, and I do not, that is not seasonably adjusted. I don't know how to seasonally adjust a damn thing. But just the number, like the average amount of sales in our board uh, since 1980 is like 1,155. And we might be at like, we might be at less than 400 this month. I'm going to give you some some intel here. So Toronto Real Estate Board, which is more than just City of Toronto, it's it's the board, right? So it goes through lots of other areas. In 2022, we ended with 75,140 sales total. The last time 
Sorry, say that number again. 75,140. Okay. Now, the year before, it was 121,000. So we were down 38% from the year before. Now, going back to the last time in which we had that level of sales, can you guess what year it was? 2008. 2008. Was it? Was it? So, not even 2016. 2016, we had 113,000 sales. It was our. Second, because remember, our 2017 was our drop off um, and then 2018. So 2018, we had 78,000 sales, but it was still above going back to. So from the year 2000. We've had three of the three other years that it was lower than 2022, but our population growth now in 2008 with the 74,000 sales, the average price was 379,000. In 2022, with the 75,000 sales, the average price was 1.189 million. Mm-hmm. So, so I looked at those overall numbers too for the Fraser Valley Board, and it was like 27,000 2021. Mm-hmm. 2022 was like 15,000. So, so it's almost near the same, half. or actually more than ours went down. Yeah, so it's like near half. But then finally, I found it, Tom, the stat. You know, I always look at the year-over-year numbers, and those are always the worst ones. Yes. But the average sale price for the year, which is the calculation that you've looked at in the past, was up in 2022, like $400,000. That's the problem, though. It's a bunch of crap, but that's what gets reported on because they just mush them all together. You know? Yeah, so like for sure, there were some people that spent $2 million are now put worth one6 yeah, but the average detached home price in the area still sold for one point six all year long, and it was nine months of bad market. But I, but in those first three to four months, probably almost as many properties sold as the next nine, possibly. You know, because it switched so that you still, if you averaged it out, still the there was a big clump at the beginning with super high prices. That's going to pull up everything on the average, yeah. right? I like when when we were talking like uh, with Steve Soretsky, and he kind of brought up. That like, yeah, that's the numbers, but what's what's really going on in your neighborhood? And that's probably that might actually be a better look at what's going on. The same, the exact same house, not everything, but what was this house worth versus what is it worth now? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that that might be a better way to look at it because I still the numbers say we're down these crazy amounts, and I'm like, "Mm, my neighborhood, they're sure they're down twenty percent. But they're also still up forty seven percent from pre pandemic. So, like, what? Like, how does mm-hmm. how does that all work? The uh, the inflation numbers came out at six point three. Did you see that? Much lower, way ahead of schedule. Right? Is that true? I don't know. I'm not the expert on that side of things. All I know is like people seemed overall uh, encouraged by this. Still a long way from two yeah. percent, but encouraged. That but it was you, U.S. It was U.S. core inflation at five point seven, and core inflation is the one they're super worried about. Mm. You know what? I'm actually more worried about, and I'm not smart enough to comment on this. But our exchange rate right now sucks. Is that like seventy five cents to the dollar? It's, I don't know. I think it's like a dollar forty two or something. Like it's 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 terrible. And wow. if the U.S. says or does what they say they're going to do, and they they're like, we're not stopping. And Bank of Canada is like, yeah, we might slow it down. If those, if if the U.S. rate goes way above the Canadian rate, 
our dollar's going to tank even further. Mm-hmm. Because I was looking at the, some of those vacations I was looking at was like U.S. And it's like to fly uh, a family of four to, I don't know, Hawaii for a week. The average place without food included was $11,000. Yeah. That's without like the app. Yeah, there's no all-inclusives in Hawaii. Crazy. Even an all-inclusive in Puerto Vallarta which for us should be maximum flights included a thousand dollars a head was like 10 grand. That is two adults, two kids for seven days. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, correct. Damn. And that's why I'm paying off my mortgage instead because here's the thing. If it does get really bad, that vacation should come down in price this time. Hey, hey, don't worry. You can take the vacation when you can't even really walk anymore. It'll still be fun. (laughs) You know what we were thinking about doing though? It was like, Oh, we're going to go away for four or five days. Just try and get away. I was like, maybe we can go to Palm Springs for a few days, two hour flight. I was like, that's $6,700 to go for four days to Palm Springs. Like get me the hell out of here. With rental. And like that was a hotel. It was a hotel. That was was a flight, flight and hotel for four. I've got a hookup in Palm Springs. I know someone has bought a really nice house there that they're renting. So. Oh, I got to, I'm going to end up buying timeshare weeks off of friends. Like that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. Timeshares are making a comeback. You heard it here first. (laughs) On the Tom story show where we break news. That was fun. Um, You got any final words of wisdom? Unexpected, but fun. Was there anything else I wanted to bring up? I don't. Oh, thanks. I've got a really quick fun game. If you want to wrap this up. I picked out three different um, publications and I picked out, um, was it four or five headlines here? I wanted to read you a headline and then have you guess which publication it was that wrote that headline. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Close my eyes. Okay. Yeah. So the, well, the three publications are, I'm going to give you the options. No, no, no. Don't tell me the publications. Don't tell me the publications. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, it's gonna be difficult then. Well, not for two of them. <laughs> I only I only know uh, three media outlets. So okay, so let's let's start with this. Canadian real estate prices haven't dropped this fast since two thousand and nine. That sounds like it could be a big media outlet, but probably Better Dwelling is going to be my answer on most of these. So Better Correct. Dwelling. Correct. All right. <laughs> Daily Hive um, is my next one. Is it Daily Hive even before you read it? No, no, it is not. Oh. The I got to give you the other options at least. It was Better Dwelling, oh, yeah. Toronto Star, and National Post were my three oh, yeah. categories. Okay. I would have Correct. guessed Toronto Star. I wouldn't have guessed National Post. Yeah. Correction. What correction? This city might have the strongest housing market in Canada. That's got to be Toronto. Toronto, whatever. That was National okay. Post. Oh, was it? Uh, talking about Calgary. Toronto. And the oh. inter- and the interview uh, connected with it was was uh, Suretsky, which I thought was funny because it was the first oh. one that came up on my. Uh, He's pumping. He he, he, he was- invested in Calgary. He's pumping. <laughs> um, home prices fall for a record a record twelve percent in twenty twenty two as homeowners grapple with rising rates. Yeah, so that's Toronto's leftover. Toronto Sun, you said. That's Toronto Star. Toronto Star. Toronto well, I had Star. another one for mm-hmm. you. Um, but okay. I've already given away who it's going to be now. The Canadian real estate industry's forecast expectations are crashing. <laughs> I love better dwelling. You know, you got to give just... them. You got to give them some credit on these headlines. Honestly, 
they're, they they're I mean, they get the clicks. The the trouble is, I don't see any awesomeness in their actual like storytelling either. Right. Right. Like we we use a lot of that stuff. This that I might mean, be the title of this episode. You'll well, find this out. title here. I've got one for you. This is actually what we might. Canada will see weakest level of home sales since two thousand and one. Like, possible there you go that is the title is that is that a news headline you've got somewhere else or did we say that that is, that is a news headline i read hmm. i actually screenshotted it because it's probably going to be it was going to be a youtube video, a video uh, title. title but it is now this episode of the tom story show well that was fun um i always enjoy these kind of catch-up episodes and i hope the uh the uh, listeners and viewers enjoy them as we well may have lost them in the first 30 minutes but if they stuck around it was a fun episode i like these ones i really like these ones i do too and and people do i mean we did get the feedback that hey this isn't all for uh consumers and maybe you guys should do different shows and i'm like "Eh, it's conversation about real estate and i always i like this type of conversation because i listen to a lot of like um comedy podcasts and sometimes they're talking about funny things and sometimes they're just talking about the comedy industry itself. And it's like, mm. oh, that's interesting to listen to. So that's kind of the vibe I was going for when we started this whole thing. I think it's also just like it's our natural flow in which it's yeah. easier to go to something in which you talk about all the time offline. Yeah. Um, than this is, is how real estate agents talk around the office. Yeah, it, that's what we tried to do with this. Like me and you used to have these conversations on the phone every week. And yeah. it was like, well, why don't we just record ourselves? Because... Yeah. You know, maybe a few less swear words and, you know, names left out and things like that. But let's put this let's put this online and see if people like it. So far, seems like people have. So we appreciate that. Yeah, man. We will see you all next week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already and you got this far in the podcast, throw us a like, throw us a subscribe on YouTube and give us 1300 subscribers plus and more than 500 audio listens per week now. So we thank you for that. Tell a friend. We will continue to grow. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye.